The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just a reminder, uh, well, last week we talked a little bit about the sign of peace. And uh, here, just want to, again, reemphasize, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you, right? And so the peace that Jesus wants to give us is something different than a worldly peace. And so when we offer the sign of peace, we want to have it uh, different than just a greeting or a reconciliation, but a peace that comes from Christ. And we have that especially, again, because... Jesus Christ is truly present on the altar at that point, and that the priest receives the peace to a certain degree uh, from the Eucharist right there, and then offers the peace of Christ to all of you, who then offer the peace of Christ to one another. So again, uh, just that reemphasis upon uh, not just a, a greeting of one another, but that an extending of the peace of Christ to one another. Uh, with that being said... Now, kind of uh, what I wanted to talk a little bit more about today was Jesus' statement about the Holy Spirit. He says, Though I will, the Father will send in my name and teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. Now, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, we know that, but the Holy Spirit is definitely one of the forgotten persons of the Trinity, right? We often don't speak about the Holy Spirit, and even though that we know that the Holy Spirit acts, we don't always, uh, it's a little bit harder to kind of grasp or understand to a certain degree. And so today I'd like to talk a little bit about the way that the Holy Spirit is acting in all of our lives. The Holy Spirit is acting in all of our lives because it's working, not only are we temples of the Holy Spirit and acting in that way, uh, but it also is acting especially in the church. Uh, one of the ways that I kind of like to think about the church as a whole, uh, sometimes we can, in our modern sense, think of the church as an organization, kind of maybe a republic, a democracy, an organization. Uh, scripture sometimes speaks about the church being kind of the same as the body of Christ. We're all members of the body of Christ. And so we're all together and we make up the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is something more than just the organization of the individual members. The church is more than just the individual members collected together. What makes it different? Well, 
what we need in a body is something more than just an organization of soul of, of cells together, right? That doesn't actually make the body. Although it does, it doesn't. What's the key factor that helps spur on the body and spur on the church? I would make the argument of kind of the animating feature, which is the Holy Spirit or the soul, right? For the body, when the body no longer has a soul, when the soul leaves the body, the cells are still there, exactly the same, but no longer is able to be animated, able to work. The church as well is not just a collection of its individual members together, but the soul helps, the Holy Spirit animates it and gives it its action. In fact, I use the word animation because uh, the Greek word for soul is anime, which is actually where we get animation from uh, today. And so we see that this soul is the animating kind of feature of the body, and the Holy Spirit is the animating feature of the church. Now, what does that exactly mean to us, and, and why is that so important? Well, one of the things that we all kind of realize is that there's a lot to learn in this world. And we can't figure it all out. And we can't know it all. And so who do we trust and how do we guide and even how do we know that scripture is real? How do we, how do we have faith? And sometimes the interpretation can sometimes be to just have a blind faith. But Catholicism teaches, uh, although faith at a certain point goes beyond reason, it is not meant to be contrary to reason. And so we don't have a blind faith that kind of turns a blind eye and kind of says, well, I'll just believe whatever you say, right? Well, we have certain rational reasons for believing the things that we have. And even within science, again, we understand this. That even scientists, right, we're not able to study every single thing. And so how do we know what to trust and what not? Well, we, we establish certain understandings. I've never been to Antarctica, but I'm pretty sure that there is an Antarctica, right? Why? Because it's not irrational to think that because I have learned certain things, certain principles, and I trust certain people, and it seems to be a good evidence that there is an Antarctica. And so I have no doubt that there's an Antarctica, right? Not because I've necessarily seen it and not because I have a blind faith either. In the same way, there are many aspects of faith that we will maybe never be able to see or touch or be able to completely understand the implications of. But that doesn't mean that we don't have any reasons for those beliefs or faith. There are reasons for it. And one of the most underlying features of a Catholic's faith should be the trust in the church. That the church is something more than just some men who, or, who uh, get together at the Vatican and make some decisions, right? That's not the church, okay? That is a part of the church. That is something that the Holy Spirit uses, but that is not the church when we speak about church. Church is all of us, the body of Christ, but it's also more than just all of us, right? That we trust that when Jesus Christ said that his Father will send the Holy Spirit to teach you in everything and remind you of all the things that I've told you, we trust that Jesus Christ is telling the truth. 
that he uh, has given us many promises and many indications that he would guide us after he ascends to the Father. He tells us that um, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against you, right? Specifically talking with Peter. He appoints 12 apostles in a very concrete way to, to establish a visible leadership of the body of Christ. Not as an accident, not as something that is a second thought or something that's created after, but Jesus Christ did these things, right? He established a church, a visible church, because just as he became man to walk among us and reveal himself, he also knows that we need to continue to have a visible reality to continue to interact with him, to continue to receive knowledge uh, and to continue to be guided in all truth. And so he gave us the church. But again, not absent from him, but guided and animated by the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we see this happen? Well, the first reading today actually gives one of the scriptural kind of situations that the church gets to act being guided by the Holy Spirit. There's a dispute that arises. Well, what are we supposed to believe? Are we, do we have to be circumcised in order to become Christians and, and be saved or not? St. Paul initially teaches that you don't. And, but yet there are others that come along and says, says that they do. So who's right, right? Is it St. Paul or these other people? Well, ultimately at the end of the day, right, we don't trust individual people. We trust God. So who do we trust in that? Well, what they do is they take it to the people that Jesus Christ had established and given and that would be guided by the Holy Spirit and to be brought into the open and to be discussed. And so they bring it to Jerusalem where the apostles gather and they talk about it and they, they pray and they seek the understanding of the Holy Spirit and that we trust that the Holy Spirit, it was not just the, the intelligence of the individual members coming together that made the decision that they would send back as an answer, right? Because actually we know that the apostles weren't very smart, especially Peter, okay? We're not exactly trusting in the intelligence of Peter and the other apostles. We're trusting in God and the Holy Spirit that is guiding them in these decisions. And so they send back that instruction of, no, circumcision is not necessary. These other things are necessary, right? Avoid meat sacrifice to idols, and unlawful marriages, but that circumcision is not necessary. We believe that that is a decision that not of not just an agreement of the whole, but that's something that's given by God as a visible, a visible interaction to guide us in all truth. We also see that uh, something even more um, fundamental that we kind of see within the church as well, uh, that we take for granted often, is Scripture. The very scripture that we read today and that I'm even referencing, how do we get to that scripture today? How do we know that that is the word of God, that it's inerrant, that it is guiding us in the truth, that Jesus really said this? Well, we make, uh, we have faith that again, exactly what Jesus told us, that the Holy Spirit inspired scripture to remind the authors of all that he told We believe that the Holy Spirit guided the church in deciding what scripture, what what writings were part of scripture and what writings of scripture weren't. 
There were other people who wrote about Jesus, other Gospels, which were, are not included in the Bible. Well, who's right? Well, we believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding. So even the foundation of Scripture itself, that we take Scripture, has an assumption that the Holy Spirit is guiding in the visible church and that ha- the church has a certain authority, not by itself, but that the guidance by the Holy Spirit to be able to establish what Scripture is, is scriptural, right? What writings are in the Bible and what writings aren't. And so as Catholics, we certainly live in the chaos of the world. We live in the chaos of the church, which is filled with individual members and even leadership that isn't, aren't saints yet, right? And that aren't always the smartest, uh, aren't always the perfect people, but yet we believe that the church is something more than just those members. That the soul, that the soul of the church, the animating feature of the church, the bride of Christ, is ultimately filled with the Holy Spirit to guide us in all things. And so we seek to trust the church. Sometimes uh, in the midst of the debate and everything else, we can be uncertain. Absolutely, you know. Uh, in the early church, when they were debating, right, they didn't know exactly what it was. There's plenty of discussions and councils and disputes. But one of the things that we, again, believe is that the Holy Spirit continues to guide and that God wants to reveal his truth to us, right? Not to, again, have a blindness, not, uh, but one that we believe that God continues to reveal himself and guide us, especially in the church, in all faith and morals. And so, as we continue, we, um, I seek to offer Mary as that image of perfect trust, right? Ultimately, trust of the church is a trust of Jesus Christ, a trust of God, and that Mary herself, unlike Eve, kind of her foreshadow, we talk about Mary as the new Eve. Eve uh, distrusted God. And said, well, God, do you really have my good in mind? But Mary was able to say when the angel Gabriel came to her, be it done unto me according to your word. Yes, I trust you. I don't understand it all. Absolutely. But I trust you. Jesus himself, the new Adam as well. Again, instead of following uh, the old Adam of sin and death, chose at the Garden of Gethsemane saying, Father, I don't want to, I want this cup to pass, but not my will, but your will be done. We understand that faith requires a reason, an understanding, a choice, and at times suffering. Let us follow Mary and Jesus to trust God, his plan for us, and his continued revelation uh, to us in the church.